Good morning. Glad to see you this morning. Hope you're uh, having a, a great day, a great week. Uh, my thought was this morning when I walked out of the house, you know, we still got that nice little bite in the air. And I prayed, oh God, come July, bring this back, <laughs> bring it back. Uh, now I tell you, it's amazing that Florida takes so many hits and there's so many things wrong with it. And so many thousands of people move here every day. So, you know, it's a great place to live. We are blessed. I told, used to tell people when I lived here and pastored here, I said, you know, I suffer for Jesus in beautiful Orange Beach, Florida. And, uh, for my pastor friends up north, uh, Particularly when they were shoveling snow, uh, I'd do little things. I wanted to encourage them. So I would call them and tell them that while you're shoveling it, I'm enduring 85 degree weather down here in Florida. <laughs> they didn't appreciate it, but I, you know, the Bible says encourage one another. <laughs> hey, we're glad that you're watching online. Thank you for being with us today. And I had a question, an email come in last week. Someone said, how do I give if I'm watching online? And it's very simple. There's a give button. And if you hit that give button, uh, follow the steps, you'll be a part of this. And to answer a question that was given to me this morning, yes, our offerings here are still going to kick off the church plant in Bunnell. And, you know, when I said that during the first of the year... That was a long time, you know, coming, right? September? Guess what, folks? We're in May. Time flies. It's like the frog said when they were sitting on a log. Time's fun when you're having flies, right? <laughs> Just give you that little piece came in my mind. wanted to share it with you today. All right. We're going to talk about the Sabbath. And I don't know any more talked about, discussed, argued over subject than the Sabbath. We're picking it up in the second chapter uh, of uh, Mark. But it made me go back to my younger days, a long time ago. I, the first part of my formative years, up to maybe 10 or 12, I can remember that when you came home from church, that was it. You sat down. You couldn't go outside because you may play. And the Sabbath was a day of rest. And so you were just to sit there. And, and it was most miserable. And I couldn't figure out how in the world that could be worship. But as I begin to study in the Bible, I begin to, to, to study uh, what the Sabbath was and how the Jews related to it, which remind me of a conversation between a priest and a mullah and a rabbi. These men met one day, and they were talking about the power of their prayer life and their relationship with the Lord. And as usual, when preachers get together... It's kind of like a one-upmanship. So the priest started out and he said, 
You know, I was in the middle of a field one day, and all of a sudden, a, a sudden storm just came up, and lightning was flashing all around me. I was terrified that I was going to be hit. And then I remembered God is my protector, and I just simply prayed, and all around my head was clear sky, and it was raining and lightning all the way around me. The mullah thought, he said, that's pretty good, but you know, I was in the desert one day, and my car broke down, and it was 130 degrees, and as I began to get out and try to walk for help, I remembered God, and so I began to pray, and all around my head was cool air. All around outside of me was hot desert air. The rabbi said, ah, gentlemen, that's nothing. He said, one day I was on my way to temple on the Sabbath, and there in the street was a wallet filled with money. He said, I knew that I couldn't pick it up because that would break the Sabbath. So I prayed. And when I prayed, all around me was the Sabbath. But over my head, it was Tuesday. <laughs> Isn't that the kind of the way that we look at things? I, In my study, I, I did some looking up. And this is thanks to... Uh, Dr. John MacArthur. Uh, and I, he had some just some interesting things about the law concerning the Sabbath, okay? Uh, of course, it's a Hebrew word meaning Shabbat, which means to rest, to cease from work, to desist. Uh, and it was the seventh day of the week. And the Jewish people were to refrain from working. Now, that's when you go back to the commandments that God had given, which goes back further to in creation, we understand that the Sabbath rest came originally out of God's mouth on creation on the seventh day when he had finished everything he was going to do. He rested for his labors. Later, it was given to Moses to honor the Sabbath and don't do any work. That was just a simple statement. Well, the rabbis took it, and from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus, in the Talmud, which was the Jewish study reference of Scripture, in the Talmud, there was 24 pages of regulations all on the Sabbath. These were some of them. There were laws about wine, honey, milk, spitting, riding, getting dirt off your clothes. To do this was work. Not only that, the scribes were forbidden to carry their pens. Tailors were forbidden to carry their needles. Or students were forbidden to carry their books because they would be tempted to write or study. Going further, for that matter, carrying anything heavier than a dead, dried up fig. Now, those don't weigh very much, but you couldn't carry anything, uh, any heavier than that. And in fact, if, <laughs> if 
you picked up something in public, you had to go somewhere private and put it down. If you threw something in the air, you had to catch it with the same hand. If you caught it with a different hand, that was constituted as work. You couldn't light a flame. You couldn't blow one out. Uh, there was no bathing. I'm telling you, that service probably smelled pretty good. But there was no va- uh, bathing on the Sabbath. No insects were killed. Nothing could be bought or sold. Uh, you couldn't take a bath because if you spill water on the floor, the water might wash the floor, and that was work. And, and we have no work on the Sabbath. You could not boil an egg. On the Sabbath. Even if you took the egg and put it in the hot desert sand, you couldn't. You could not leave a radish in salt because if you left it, it would begin to pickle and that was work. Uh, what else did they do? Oh, you could only give enough medical treatment to keep someone alive. If you treated them with medicine, and they got better, that was a sin because that was work. Now, you and I, we laugh at that. But I want you to think about how we think about our day of worship. Some questions came to me. Is your worship day, is it an obligation to fulfill? Is the attitude we have to go to church today? Is it an obligation? And that's how you sense it. Is it a duty that has to be done? Because if you, I've had people say, I didn't go to church today and I just felt so guilty. Why well, I didn't go? I, you know, I was just in a jitter. And I'm thinking, you've worked yourself up into worry and doubt. Uh, missing church may not have been a sin, but all of that worry and doubt you're carrying is. What about is it a choice to be made? Have you ever got up and looked at your husband or wife and say, do you want to go to church today? How about it just being another day? I have had people tell me, particularly hunters, Pastor, I can worship the Lord in a tree stand. And I've said to them, The only thing you are probably praying, but the only thing you're praying for in that tree stand is a big old deer. You see, we're going to learn the Sabbath is more than a day. You see, Jesus was really making an impact. Uh, If you, just a few chapters we have studied, uh, he, he irritated, he He got the Pharisees at the very beginning of his ministry wanting to kill him because he healed, he forgave sin, he ate with sinners, he even called the most hated sinner in the Jewish life a tax collector to be one of his disciples. And now one of the most sacred things in the Jewish Talmud, the Sabbath, Jesus is going to attack them there. Let's look at this passage of scripture in Mark. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, 
they begin to pick some heads of grain. How many of you heard the message this weekend about the grain, right? Okay. So you know what they were doing. The Pharisees said to them, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered. Now, I want you to understand, these words, four words, are bathed in sarcasm. The Pharisees were the most read party of the Jewish people. They had read the scriptures so much that they had them memorized. And so Jesus says, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now you can imagine, they have 24 pages of regulations. And God has just said, that Sabbath was not made for man. Man was made for the Sabbath. So they were upset. Now, what was he talking about, David? All right, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 21, you'll read that when David was fleeing from Saul, you know the story, Saul tried to kill him. David was the going to be the new anointed king. David had some men around him. He wound up with what were called 300 mighty men. They swore their allegiance to David and they traveled with him. And they had been on the run from the army that Saul had mustered, and they were starving. And as they went to Nod, where the temple was and the bread was, they went in and ate the bread. Now, what was the bread? The bread was 12 loaves of what was called showbread that was kept in the sanctuary, and it was called the bread of the presence. And that bread was every weekend, the old was taken out, the new 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel would be placed in the sanctuary on the table. And then only the priest could eat that bread, the old bread of the presence. But David himself ate it. The Pharisees knew this. David was the beloved king. He was one of two people that were highly revered in Jewish life. And so Jesus is using their own scripture against him. Now, about two weeks before this, okay, uh, in the book of John, we find another story. Sometime later, now this is in the book of John when he was writing it not this was actually again before what we read about in Mark. Sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem near the sheep gate was a pool. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which in Aramaic is called Bethesda in which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. I've been there. Uh, many of you have probably been there. And just recently, they have begun 
excavation on that area. And they're discovering all of these colonnades. But it was a place, a, a huge pool, and, and a great number of disabled people used to come there and lay there. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get healed? All right, let me give you some background. The story goes that there were certain times a year that an angel would trouble the waters of that pool of Bethesda. And the first person in was healed. This man is an invalid. He can't move around. He's fixing to tell Jesus. Jesus was saying, don't you want to get healed? Now, that was not a question that was unusual for Jesus. Because when you read the gospel, many times when he asked people, he would say, do you want to be healed? He asked one man in particular one time, do you believe? And the man answered very honestly, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Jesus says, do you want to get well? The man said, sir, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. The healing, getting up, picking up his mat, and walking. Didn't break the Sabbath, shattered it. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Two weeks before, healing on the Sabbath. Now, they're walking. In Jewish law, you could only walk 3,000 steps. Now, the way some of the rabbis would get around that, they would go 3,000 steps and put food down the day before the Sabbath. So that when the Sabbath came, they could go there and eat. And the food made that an extension of their home. And they could walk 3,000 more feet. Again, we, we, we wonder about this. But in reality, how often do we try to arrange the Word of God to fit our lives and to fit the things that we believe and to fit how what we want to do. I can remember a saying of my parents and others around them. Somebody would say they did something, they worked, they went and plowed the ground, or they did something on the Sabbath. And somebody would say, why did you do that? And they would say, my ox was in the ditch. Because you see, if your ox fell in the ditch on the Sabbath, you could pull him out. Talk about straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. What is this Sabbath? Is it simply a day? Well, in one way, it was. But you see, when Christ came, the meaning of that Sabbath was greatly expanded, and at the same time, it went back to explain what God meant to begin with. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, some verses there. 
Therefore, what is this therefore? In chapter 3, some of the key words in chapter 3 is today. Today if you hear his voice. Today if you hear his voice. Don't be stubborn. Referring back to the children of Israel. When the children of Israel fought and fussed at Meribah, they talked about not having water. They grumbled. It was a place of grumbling. Not only that, the children of Israel failed to go into the promised land. You remember? Forty years they marched, and every person of the generation of adults that had left Egypt died there in the sand. The goal was God would take them from Egypt, plant them in Canaan, and that would be their home. That would be a rest from the labor that they had experienced, building bricks, being a slave. The rest that God was trying to lead them to was a country of their own and a rest from all their labors. We pick up in chapter 4. Since the promise of entering his God's rest still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us. The good news is what? The gospel. Every time you see good news, the gospel has been proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Because they did not share their, the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on my oath and my anger, they shall not enter my rest. Who was that? It was the original group of adults that left Egypt. They voted ten to two not to go where God said Go. They voted 10 to 2 that though it was an outstanding land, a land of milk and honey, a land that goes beyond their imagination, they did not believe that God would provide that rest from their labor. And God said in his anger, okay, you won't enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. What does that mean? Well, if they said, how do I know God can do what he said he can do? God created the heavens, the earth, and everything that was in it in six days and rested. And God has not worked since creation. Why? Because it's finished. So why would they not believe that God was able to do what he said he would do. It says, for somewhere he's spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. And again, in the passing passage above, he says, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since there still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them, did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. Those that disobeyed, those that believed, so God has brought it today to them. Today, this he did 
when a long time ago, later, he said through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. If Joshua had led them to a Sabbath, God would have not talked about a Sabbath at a later day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And for everyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Israel, had they paid attention to history, had a wonderful example of failure and the cost of disobeying God because they knew well the study of the Exodus. When you read the Psalms, there are many, many Psalms that simply recount every part of that Exodus, every part of the wilderness wandering, every part of the disobedience. And yet in Jesus' day, they... He still finds the elite of the religious community in disbelief about who God was and the presence of the Messiah. And they held on to these laws and they held on to things that God had given them like the Sabbath and they had made it only a 24 hour a day. In other words, be holy Hold your breath, don't work, don't do nothing, don't think, and for 24 hours, do that. After the 24 hours, go on out and do what you want to. It's not far from where we are today. Let me tell you, there is that time. Since Christ's resurrection, we meet on Sunday as a day of worship. We also meet today on Tuesday. Would you believe that there would be people that says this is not a legitimate worship service because it's not on Sunday? But you see, there is a difference between the Sabbath rest and a day of worship. We come together. In fact, God calls us out of our homes. He said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We are enjoined to come together, to hear the Word of God, to worship together, to pray together. You realize, just a while ago, we had two opportunities of blessed giving. We gave of our tithes and our offering, and we gave ourselves in remembrance to Jesus Christ who died on the cross. God has created a Sabbath Rest. What is this rest? Well, it's a rest from freedom of whatever worries you. You see, the Sabbath rest he's talking about is a belief. It is the call of God to come from the world, come to him, take up his cross, 
and follow him. It's a relationship he's talking about. And in this Sabbath rest, when we believe God, when we trust God, when we live in the presence of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whatever is disturbing you and worrying you, you don't have to have it. It's the freedom from being bothered. It's an inward peace. It's an inward confidence. Now, let me tell you, everything that worries you and bothers you is still going to be there, okay? It doesn't, God doesn't snap his fingers and poof, all around you is Tuesday. No, God doesn't do that. They're there, but you don't care anymore. Why? Because you have entered a new dimension. You have transferred your faith, your trust in God. And you are in his rest. Listen, can you remember when you were a child or you had children and a storm would come and they would be afraid? Mama, pat you on the leg. Don't worry about that. A storm's out there. We're in here safe. The Sabbath rest that God offers is a rest like that. Not only that, your life is settled. There's no more running in circles. You're no more, you're no more longer running from one philosophy to another philosophy. From one set of religious beliefs to another set of religious beliefs. From one type of lifestyle to another type of lifestyle. And it seems over the years we try to, we jumble this up and we change and change and it makes people crazy. They don't know what to do so they stop and do nothing. In the Sabbath rest of God, it's settled. We have not just articles of faith. We have truth of the Word of God that substantiates and verifies the fact that we are God's people. We are in a relationship. We are in a trust relationship where that we lean on God. Now listen. I've had people say, you know, you guys just use religion as a crutch. You can use religion as a crutch as you want to. But you need to understand, we as Christians, we lean heavily on God because we depend on God for everything. That doesn't take us out of the equation. We still work for our living. We still study the Word of God. We still go on about life. But the things that are there to discourage you, the obstacles that are there to trick you up, the worries and the cares of the world, Jesus has said, cast them on me. And when you look at that passage of scripture that says, cast all of your cares and your burden on me, that word in the Greek is regurgitate, which simply means throw up everything that's troubling you on me. That, my friends, is the Sabbath rest. But remember when the passage said there's a rest beyond that? You can look up in the dictionary Sabbath, and it only goes so far in talking about what the Sabbath was. But there are two Sabbaths that are awaiting you and I. You know what they are? One is the millennial reign of Christ, a thousand years of peace on earth, rest from sin, rest 
from temptation for a period of time. The second rest that we are looking forward to is an eternal rest. Not just the thousand years, but an eternity. Eternity is a time that goes beyond the ability to measure. That old song, we've been there 10,000 years. <laughs> we've just begun. The great thing about it, you realize in heaven there is no time. We're in God's economy. The passage that says a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. That's the closest we can come to this eternal rest. <coughs> Excuse me. But right now we are in this world and we got trials. We got troubles. We have past sins that are trying to become present sins. We have a lot of stuff that we spend all of our time in, in this intensity. You know, sometimes when we come to church, particularly if we're serving, when you go home, you're absolutely wiped out. I, I know families, and I can remember with three boys, time you got to church, <laughs> you were tired. The wrestling, every, we are called to put aside every weight of worry, everything that distracts, because the rest is for one thing, to forget everything around us and focus on God. When you came here today, were you focused on what we're going to have to eat? Were you focused on who you're going to see? How long the service would go? Or were you focused on the fact that when you, you need to understand those doors should be borders. And when you walk through those doors, you drop everything that's hindering you, everything that's made you mad, every thought you've had against, you leave them on that side. And when you come in here, you don't worry about me. You don't worry about Scott. You're here to experience the presence of God in worship. And you're going to worship him when we sing. You're going to worship him when we give. You're going to worship him when we sit at the Lord's table. You're going to worship him for the rest that he has given in your life. But listen, that, yeah, that rest is not to stay in this building. The Sabbath is more than a day. You take that rest home with you. And you learn to live in that Sabbath rest of God every day of your life. Now, here's the question. How long? Remember it said, some have not. So if today is the day of opportunity, how long? How long will God's Spirit continually call you to that rest? Well, as long as a person has the opportunity to decide, he can decide for Christ. There's never a person too evil, too bad, that God cannot save them. As long as that person is hearing the voice of God, calling them from unrest, from sin, into this salvation, this wrestling. As long as they can hear that, 
they have an opportunity to come to Jesus. But no one knows when that opportunity will end. No one knows when that voice will be dimmed by death. No one knows when that voice will be dimmed through the hardness of your heart. You see, in Hebrews 4.1, they tell us, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. As long as God is calling, it stands. When the voice is quiet, it's over. Not only that, what is, what is the human requirement? What is our response to God's offer? Hebrews 4.2 answers that. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Why? Because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Obedience is coupled with faith. The Sabbath is more than a day. The Sabbath is a relationship to be entered into. And folks, the Sabbath is a life we're called to live in. If you're not living in that Sabbath rest of God's, Hebrew writer said today, today is the day, and it is the day. It's a day of salvation. If you're struggling with living in that life, today is the day for you to once again couple belief with faith and ask God to strengthen you. It's a day to cast off cares. If you remember last week, I had asked for four ladies and four men to be here to pray with you and to help you. Well, we've, I still need three men and two more ladies. I'm going to ask our ladies if you'll come and stand right here. Will you come and stand right here? If you'd just like to pray with somebody, to be encouraged, I don't know of any two ladies I'd rather pray with me. If you want to know about how to come to Christ, Ray's going to be right over here. And I'll be standing near him. During this invitation, this isn't an interlude for you to run out and get your place at the dinner table. I've told you many times, we got plenty of food. Not going to run out. It's a time for you, you, not your neighbor, you, to listen to what the Word has said. What does God want you? I don't care if you've been a, a Christian for a hundred years. Every day is a new day in Christ. Every day we hear new things. Every day God calls us to a closer walk with Him. What are you going to do about the Sabbath? Fathers, we come to you. We thank you that you both have the questions of life and you have the word of life. Would you call to you today those whose voice are being heard in your ear, in their ear? God, may we respond in these days that, Father, we may experience the Sabbath rest and invite others.
to do likewise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.